0: you guys ever remember your parents saying to you, you're not listening? And that happened to me growing up. They would say, you have selective hearing, but I didn't know what they were talking about. You know, we all have selective hearing, even the adults, kids. We hear what we want to hear, and we block out the things that we don't want to hear. Sometimes with our own children, we have four of them. You know, they're, they're perfect 99% of the time, but there's that 1%. So they, uh, you probably have experienced this scene or, or uh, observed it yourself. So the children are playing or something and you need them to stop playing and clean up or whatever. So, okay, so and so, can you please clean up now? Nothing. No response. They're just happily playing along like you just didn't exist. So sometimes when that happens, I wonder, are they actually hearing me or are they choosing not to listen? And so I'll add a little bit of magic to the second time. And I'll say in the same tone of voice, okay, instead of saying their name, I'll substitute a keyword like candy. Okay, candy, time to clean up. You know, head zooms around, toys drop. Did you just say candy? This is an illustration of our faith. We pay attention and listen to the things uh, that we want to, and we ignore the rest. If something we really want comes up, it's a high priority. If we don't want it, it's a low priority. We're going to see in today's passage, as we continue through the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus warns his hearers, that they need to be listeners, to not ignore what he's saying, to, to, to take what he's saying to heart. This is a high priority, because there's extreme danger if you miss out on what he is saying. you can see on your outline, we're going to uh, go through verse 34 of chapter 4, starting verse 1. If you have a, a, uh, one of the Bibles that was handed out, we're going to be on page 544, Mark chapter 4 going to read in in sections here, and we'll start with the uh, parable of the soils in uh, verses 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone around those uh, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you have been have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those on the outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are ones sown among thorns. Those are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word and prove it, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, Thirty and sixty and a hundred fold. So let's walk through this. You can see there's a, a nice little uh, grid for you there on the right hand side for you to fill out, and we'll go through that. Um, just as an introduction here, if you've if you've noticed, this is sort of a little Bible study toss out here. First, uh, one of chapter four. It says, "Again by the lake." If you've been noticing, and put on your Sherlock Holmes. This happens a bunch here at the beginning of Jesus' Capernaum ministry. If you look back, like every chapter, every section starts with, he went by the lake, went by the lake, went by the lake. So observe those kinds of things. So Jesus tells this story. He's in the boat this time telling the story. And if you remember last week, he told his disciples to get the boat ready because the crowds were getting so big he didn't want to get crushed. So the impression here is the crowds were getting even bigger. He's telling this story to all these people who wanted to hear, come hear him. And then when he's alone, the others and the 12 come and ask him, you know, what does all this mean? They ask for more meaning. He tells them uh, that this is a, a parable, uh, and he explains to them what it means. He says, you have to have ears to hear to understand this parable. And that's kind of funny because Jesus tells them another parable ears to hear, which is the key to unlock the other parables. So in essence, in essence he's saying, guys, there's more going on here. You've got to come and find out. And so these, these 12 disciples and the other people, they go to find out, and they ask Jesus. Jesus then uh, tells them in verse 11 and 12 uh, that they're going to be get, given the secrets of the kingdom of God. And then he quotes uh, Isaiah 6 right there. That's a portion of it. And part of what Jesus, we're not going to get into that totally, but part of what Jesus is doing there is, is he's likening his ministry to the ministry of Isaiah. That in Isaiah's time, lots and lots of people were rebelling against God and not listening to his word. And Jesus is telling them that that's true today too. Like the word is going out and not everyone's going to respond. But you guys get get the secrets because you're coming to me. You're wanting to learn. We're wanting to find out what this kingdom is all about. Then Jesus says, verse 13, do you not understand this parable? What about the soils? Then he says, how will you understand all of the parables? Isn't that crazy? Like, if they don't understand this parable without the explanation, Jesus says, you're not going to understand the rest like, there's something so critical and so important about this parable that if they miss it, they'll miss everything else. Like, they'll miss the kingdom. And so their ears should be perking up at this point, like, what's so important about this one? It's like the teacher who says, if I were you on the test tomorrow, there's a test tomorrow, I would know about this. I don't know, I'll remember that. That's gotta be on the test. So he says, you have to have ears to hear. What does that mean? Uh Jesus is telling everyone that this is what's going on, that the word is being sown. He is coming out into the open. The Messiah is here, and how are people going to respond? He means that it's it's choosing to listen or choosing to believe what you hear. So really what he's talking about is faith. So in this parable, what Jesus is, I'm trying to, capture here. What he's trying to tell these men is that what you believe about me is critical. That is the key. Is Jesus the Savior? Is he the Lord? Will you turn and follow him or relegate him to some other category? And that's that's sort of the what hangs in the balance here. What we're going to look at here as we go through these soils are the four different ways that that people could respond to Jesus or are heart could respond to Jesus. Let's go through them one at a time. So the first soil is the, is the seed that goes out and it falls along the path and birds come and devour it. When Jesus gives the meaning in verse 15, he says that the people hear it, but Satan comes to block it. He does something that it, it gets taken away. Part of what Jesus is saying here is that there's a spiritual battle going on. You will be naive about that. In your box on the right hand side, you see it says soil and result. Uh, you could also put above the soil category heart, because it's how our hearts respond to Jesus. But I want you to fill that in. What kind of soil is this? What kind of heart is this here? It's a hard one. It's a hard heart. It's a hard soil. And what's the result? Well, the result is a big, fat zero. Um, There is nothing to be said. After the word goes out, it's taken away. There's nothing there. A hardness of heart. A hardness that rejects and resists who Jesus is in the gospel. You guys know anybody like that? No matter what happens, they don't want to give Jesus a chance. They have hardness in their heart and resistance And it's really sad. You know, we saw that uh, last week, and as we're reading the Gospels, the religious leaders, who even didn't deny deny that Jesus performed miracles. I mean, they said, hey, you're doing this by the power of Satan. And even them, they resisted Jesus after viewing and witnessing these amazing things. Their hearts were hard. But hardness of heart is all around us, even today. Uh, You guys are probably aware of what happened on Friday over in Paris. There was a number of attacks there. And I have a friend who's, o- who's over there right now, and he put on Facebook that um, he was, like, right around the corner at a, uh, another restaurant. And the, my pack happened uh, at the other restaurant. I don't know all the details. But he put on Facebook that um, the owners came out and barred the doors to the restaurant. They didn't want anybody coming in. And, you know, it was a hysterical scene. And, and um, the one, uh, my friend who was over there, he... uh, uh got a picture of this one girl because he was trying to take a picture of them barring the doors. And this girl came up to him and was like, what are you doing? How are you How are you not like freaking out? How are you so calm? And she was actually a little bit mad at him. And he said, well, you know, I believe in Jesus and that's my hope. And I have hope in life and explain the gospel to her. And she's like, how can you believe in him at a time like this? And later on, he shared that after seeing things kind of calm down, that uh, she said, you know, I, 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 my whole life I've wanted to believe in Jesus, but I don't want to, and I'm not ready to talk to him yet. And you would think, of all the times, this would be the time. But she didn't. We probably know people out there in the world, and I, and I hope that you're out there and rubbing <laughs> your shoulders with people that that are, that are hardened to the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus. But we never know people's hearts, and we never know how people are going to respond. And so we persevere. It's sad because when you don't have hope and you don't have the gospel, you're going to hold on to that worldview. You're going to hold on to that perspective. And in the end, you're going to lose everything that you have. That's what the Bible teaches us. Do you feel the weight of that? Do you see how there's a dying world all around us resistant to the gospel? As I was thinking about this point, I was just so convicted that so often I just kind of like, you know, happily bebop through life and do my thing and don't even realize the weight and the gravity of the reality of life. And that if you're resistant to the gospel, you die in your sin. And there's people all around us. We don't know their hearts, so we, we move in compassion towards them. But Jesus says, um, this is true. We need to move in compassion towards other people. Let's move on to uh, seed number two, soil number two. This is the one that goes on the rocky places. Verse uh, four. Its seed fell along the path. and I'm sorry, it's uh, verse five. It fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And so this one, It dies out because there's no root, and it's scorched by the sun, and it's withered away. And Jesus says that these are the people who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. Like, these are the folks who hear it, and they're like, yes, this is awesome. And and in some ways, they look like they're the best responders of the whole group. Like, they have the flashy beginning and the, uh, the, the pizzazz in response to the gospel. Yet, when trouble or persecution comes, they fall away, Jesus says. And it says, immediately falls away. So as soon as it springs up, it's as quick as it dies out. So on your chart, we have a heart or a soil that has no root. No root. And the result, again, is a big zero. Jesus says that the reason is that there's persecution or trouble because of the word, because of him. We're afraid of what people think. We're afraid of losing our lives and our and our reputations. We think, what will people think if they know that I'm associated with Jesus? What might I lose if I stick with Jesus? You know, a few weeks ago, I was getting my car repaired. And it was one of those short ones where you have to wait there. You, you know, it's more convenient to wait there in the waiting room. And, uh, this one guy started talking to me, and I regret not, not sharing the gospel with him. You know, why not? What do I have to lose? But I didn't. And as I look in my own heart, I was afraid. I was afraid of what he thinks. I was afraid of what the other guys who are working behind the counter think. I was afraid that, um, you know, they would overhear and hear, oh, this guy's a Christian. Let's go mess with his car and other irrational fears. That's because I want to hold on to my life. Um, I'm afraid to be associated with Jesus, and I need to turn and repent of that. This is a picture of the heart, the second soil, um, that when trouble or persecution comes, or maybe even perceived persecution, in my case, we flee from Jesus and hide. Do you do that? Well, give you some comfort, think about the Apostle Peter. He did this. If you think about the night before Jesus was betrayed, or the night Jesus was betrayed, it was the the Last Supper, and Jesus told Peter, hey, by the time, and this is nighttime, by the time the morning comes around, you're going to deny me three times. Can you imagine Peter's like, what in the world are you talking about? That's not going to happen. That's like in eight hours from now, and we're going to be sleeping for most of that time. That's not going to happen. And from his perspective, it probably looked very uh, possible that that was, you know, what was going to happen? How was he going to deny it three times? But yet he did. He didn't know the future. But when push came to shove, and he was found there, he was like, I don't know the man. And he denied being associated with Jesus three times, even before the crow or the rooster crowed in the morning. But he repented, and he turned away, and he asked God to forgive him. So for us, this is the road we will all go down for falling away from Jesus unless we turn and um, trust in him. And that temptation will always be there to hold on to our reputation and hold on to our lives. So we can either have that one or have Jesus' life that he offers. So this soil has, has enthusiasm, but also it dies down quickly when trouble or persecution comes. Let's do the third soil. This is the seed among thorns. Verse 7, this seed gets choked out and yields no grain. In verse uh, 18 and 19, Jesus says that they hear the word, but it's it's three things that enter in and, and choke it out. It's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. These are the things that choke out this plant, and it doesn't produce any fruit. If you look at your chart, the soil of the heart here is the one that's choked out. What do you think the result is if it's a numerical value? Another zero. Big fat zero. Yeah, a bigger fat zero. You know, this is really shocking. I want partial credit for this soil. But you don't get it. They tried so hard. They got they got ninety percent of the way. You know, if the plant if it got planted in 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 April and, and October is the harvest time, they made it to September, but nothing, not even partial credit. It got choked out. It had real potential for fruit, but it didn't make it. And notice this one is different than the one before it, even though the result is the same. The, the sort of the, the dying off process is very different. Or in soil number two, it happened very quickly. In soil number three, it's a slow, like, choking a little bit more daily. You know, uh, the, the, the plants are choking it more. A little slower growth. A little more hindrance until eventually there's no fruit. As we think about this, I, I want, uh, as we thought about Peter on the last one, I want you to think about Judas in this, as an example of this soil, You know, he probably looked pretty good on the outside, but as we know, he ends up betraying Jesus. He sticks around to the end, but does not finish well. And you could guess that he even stuck through persecution, identifying with Jesus, going out there and being associated with him. Jesus gave all his disciples the authority to drive out demons. And in other places it says, the disciples came back and said, Lord, we drove out demons. So there's good evidence that even Judas was driving out demons. Like, really amazing things. But yet he didn't end well. He was a traitor. And you don't see him repent like Peter did. So if this can happen to him, I think it can happen to anyone. It can happen to any of us. Later on, we'll see Jesus says, pay attention. That's how important this is. Don't ignore what I'm saying. So, what do traders look like? What does this soil look like? It looks like one of the good guys. It looks like churchgoers, if you will. But since we don't know what's going on in people's hearts, something, there's a resistance, there's a a choking out, uh, there's a hindrance to the gospel hearts that we don't see. Being uh, in ministry on campus, it's not uncommon to hear uh, someone give a testimony later on that says something along the lines of, yeah, I went to Bible study, and then as soon as that was over, I went out and partied. I was living a double life. You know, and I would hear that and think, man, I I didn't know. Um, You know, I think that we all have that potential to live a double life, and it may not be partying and drinking but it may be one of these other three things. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, or desire to other things. These things are going to distract and choke out the word in our hearts. And again, think of the analogy of what direction are you going in? What road are you going down? These things are trying to pull you away from heading towards Jesus and heading towards the gospel. Lately, I've been trying to uh, just... Reiterate over and over and over again, Psalm eighty six eleven, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. I know my heart is so prone to distraction, so prone to other things. There's so many shiny things out there, so many toys to play with. When the parents are saying, Time to clean up. And Jesus says, Come to me. Which way are you going? Which where is your heart at? Let's move on to the fourth soil. This is the good soil. This is the one that actually produces fruit, where the other ones didn't. And when it produces, it's not just like a little bit. It's not like a one or a two. It's 30, 60, 100. So this is the good soil, the good heart, that produces lots of fruit. I mean, you can put lots of numbers in there, 30, 60, 100. There's lots of pluses. It's, that's the point, is that there's there's none for the other ones, and there's everything. For that fourth soil. Notice in this fourth soil that there's not a lot of drama. There's been drama with the other ones. Like Satan comes and takes it away. Or the sun comes in and scorches it. Or there's choking going on. This fourth one, there's no drama. It's put the seed in the ground, water it, bend it, it grows up, take the fruit. It lasts to the end. The uh, excitement, quote-unquote, if you will, happens at the end, not at the beginning. When the fruit comes, and it's harvest time. So, who is this? What does this heart look like? Jesus says it's those who truly listen to him and his word. It's those who have ears to hear. Remember, it's about faith. It's responding to what you hear. It's about daily growing in faith. And saying no to those other things that are distracting you away from Jesus. I think you see this lived out in verse 10, where the, uh, those who are, those and the twelve disciples come to Jesus and say, tell us the answer. Give us what you're, you're really trying to say. We want to know. And then Jesus tells them. And notice that what, what he highlights for them is not And what he commends them for is not their understanding. It's actually their misunderstanding or or their their lack of understanding is what he commends them for. He doesn't say, wow, you guys have have it so figured out. No, that's that's not what he's trying to communicate. The main problem for the other souls is that they did not see Jesus this way. They weren't hanging on his words to find out what he was really about and what he really meant. You remember the uh, the French story I just told about the, the woman who said, how can you believe at a time like this? This is the time to be desperate and to follow Jesus, to cling to him and go to him for answers. Uh, and What other time is there other than now? What Jesus wants is people who come to him to beg him, give me the answers. Tell me how I can know you better. Show me yourself. Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. Are you desperate for Jesus? Do you go to him? Do you ask questions? Do you seek him? Jesus said, if you remember from a couple sermons ago, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Are you sick? And if you're sick, you're desperate, you need help, and you go to the doctor. This is the doorway into his kingdom. It's this desperation that we need. We need help. We cannot save ourselves. We have to go to Jesus. And it's the way you stay the course to the end. Satan, sin, and the desires for other things will come in there and try to derail your faith. And so the best prevention and the best medication for a life of following Jesus is to be desperate for him. And that's what the Christian life should look like. Desperately clinging to Jesus through good and through bad. And in the end, you make it to the harvest. That's the fourth soil. While Jesus doesn't end there, in verse 20, he tells a couple more parables, which I want us to look at. Let's read verses 21 through 25. This is number two on your outline, acting on what we know. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, Even what he has will be taken away. Now let's keep going. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. All right, so a couple more parables here, and let's go through them briefly. Jesus starts off in verse 21 with a rhetorical question. You know, do you do this? Do you bring a lamp out to just cover it up? And the answer is, no, you don't do that. And part of what Jesus is getting at here is, if you were to think that this whole time he's trying to sort of block people from the truth or, or really hide it, he's not. He is coming to bring light to the world, to expose things. And what the real problem is, is people's hearts. They don't want it. They're the ones who are putting the block over their hearts. It's not him. He's not trying to cover up up the light. And he says, you have to have ears to hear. It's a repetition of verse 9, verse 23. He says, pay attention. And he gives two reasons why. He says, because the measure you use will be measured on you. That will be the measuring stick for you. And also, if you have some, you'll get more. But if you have a little bit, you'll lose it. What's he talking about there? He wants you to see, he wants you to understand how you see yourself and how you react to that assessment. And Jesus gave us a helpful diagnostic in these four soils and ways to, to respond to him. So we want to look at our own hearts and his listeners to look at their hearts. How does your heart line up? Where's it at this morning? Remember, desperation, clinging to Jesus, hanging on his words are the ones who make it to the end and bear fruit. So we need so the reason I titled this Act on What You Know is because a lot of times we say, Well, I don't know enough. I don't know how to um, do this or that. But if you know enough to realize that you're desperate for Jesus and that he forgives all of your sin and you hold on to him, that's enough. And I think all of us, you want that to be the measuring stick, not that you're a proud heart who's got it all figured out and you got everything you know, nailed down. You have a few little things to take care of. No, that you're a total mess. That your response is, God, why would you save me? And you have that wonder. He can save you from your sin. And that's with a humble heart. And then lastly here, Jesus wants to make sure that we have clear expectations about his kingdom. He gives the same or very similar metaphor uh, of the seed and how it gets planted in the ground. as two different ways to understand his kingdom. The seed gets planted, and it grows up, and something happens. In the first one, he, he talks about how uh, the, uh, the farmer plants the seed, and he doesn't know how it grows. Like, I did this thing, and, and I don't know how it grows. And I, I put the seed in the ground, and a couple months later, I, this tomato comes out, and I have this tomato and cheese sandwich. Like, how did that happen? God is the one who's making it grow. And then in verses 30 to 32, he wants his he wants his disciples and listeners to understand that the kingdom of God is like this small thing that eventually becomes this huge thing. He's trying to highlight the contrast between the two. And notice again, the sort of the, the flashiness, the, the excitement, if you will, is, is at the end, not at the beginning. It kind of looks kind of like not much at all at the beginning. If he's comparing the kingdom of God to a, to a plant that's growing up, I mean, uh, how, how much flashiness is there? If I planted a, a plant in the ground right now, I'm just going to stare at it and watch it. Like it, it, It's day by day, growth by growth. Um, and then eventually, it's time for the harvest. And eventually, his kingdom takes over the whole earth, or the plant takes over the whole garden. That's the point he's trying to make. He wants them to understand, this is what the kingdom is like. If you look at it and you get discouraged and think of something else, remember this. Disciples, this is how the kingdom works. It will grow. It will grow in ways that you don't see or understand, but it will grow and take over the whole earth. It doesn't have flashy beginnings, but it has amazing endings. What does this mean for us as we close? It means that we need to focus on Jesus to make it through life life is difficult. So many distractions and so many worries. I want to leave you with one illustration to think about. How many people remember the uh, crop circles from the 90s? A couple people. Okay. For those of you that don't know, there was like this craze, uh, mostly in England, but it was all over the world, where uh, you know these farmers would wake up and go outside and look at their crops and... Hey, there's all these, like, very intricate patterns of, uh, you know, their, their grain or whatever crushed. And people thought, were aliens doing these? Because, uh, the lines and the, the geometrical shapes were so straight. Like, how could anybody do this? And there's all this wonder, like, are aliens real? Now, it turned out that it wasn't aliens. It turned out that it was a guy, or, or got another, you know, in various places, one guy with a board and a rope a hat and a loop of wire i remember uh, watching an interview of one of these guys and the interviewer was like how did you make the line so straight and the uh, the interviewer is he was kind of getting at like did you use supercomputers did you have scientists like how did you do this and he was like oh i just i just made a little wire loop with and hooked it on the brim of my hat and that is pick something off in the distance and as long as I kept that object in that in that loop and that is kept you know crushing the, the grain or whatever, I can make perfect perfectly straight lines. See the illustration? I didn't realize it was that funny. We need to keep Jesus in the loop. Ah see <laughs> Put on your hat. Put on your loop. Make sure Jesus stays within that circle. And you have a straight line. Always go to Him. Always be desperate for Him. He has to be in focus. And that object may seem far away. You may not know. Am I going to make it? Each day, Jesus said, has enough trouble of its own. So, worry about today. Worry about today trusting in Him. And so when you're desperate and you have little understanding, act on what you know, and that's this, that Jesus is the Savior. And it's worth it for you to give your life to Him, to say no to all the distractions, to take the life that He gives. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. Please change our hearts. Help us to see where our hearts are distracted and prone to wander. And help us to trust in you. Amen.